For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, it was Solomon who said, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, and here we are yet again in the storage room in my garage uh, between COVID uh, and the snowstorm. Uh, here we are recording on the studio, but in my garage. And so there, there's this air of familiarity and, and also kind of sadness here uh, in case you're noticing uh, something a little bit different in, in the audio or the video. Um, we, uh, we're, we're starting into... Uh, our series that's going to carry us all the way actually through to Easter, um, following the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, we used Matthew's Gospel alone through the Advent series. So we we, we actually started in Matthew 1.1 and we ended uh, at the end of chapter 2 following the, the Christmas story in Matthew. And we actually pick up the text. We're not skipping any, uh, any verses. And we're going to continue on all the way through Matthew. Um, this morning... Uh, I, in preparing for, for, for the very first one here in Matthew, I was remembering back to um, when I started going to a Baptist church. Uh, I grew up in a Presbyterian church and was uh, was baptized as a baby, uh, as, as, as you are in the Presbyterian church. Uh, and, uh, and I shifted to, to, to a Baptist church and really started to get involved and started to love this new church. And uh, I was uh, a youth leader and I was uh, chairman of the board of management, which was taking care of the, the facility. Uh, and uh, and the next step for me, I felt, was to just become a member. But I was told, I remember at uh, 23, 24 years uh, old, I was told that I needed to be baptized again. And my first thought was hesitancy and resistance. Um, there was a, a pride that swelled up and said, no, I've been baptized already. I don't need to, to go through that again. Uh, there, was, uh, there was also sort of this... Um, a little bit of humiliation, it felt like, in that uh, the roster of other people being baptized at the time were all 13 and 14-year-olds. And so I, di I didn't want to be in the tank uh, I, with them. Like, that that's something that a teenager does. Um, and it was, there was, so there was resistance and there was hesitancy and there was pride. And I initially said, mm, no thanks. Um, but then God began to do work in my life. And as he does, he overcomes my hesitancy and convicts me. And, and, and I really came to a point of asking the question of, well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I do this? I have an opportunity to get in the tank and to give glory to God for what he's done in my life, to bear witness to that uh, and follow him in obedience. Why wouldn't I? And so sure enough, I did. Uh, right after the 13-year-olds, they rolled me out. Uh, and I get to share the story of God's changing uh, work in my life. And, and then I was dunked. And uh, it wasn't a life-changing moment, but it was another opportunity for me to follow Jesus in, uh, in obedience. Uh, and had I known more about the Bible and known uh, here this morning in Matthew chapter 3 that Jesus himself uh, entered in among all the commoners and uh, was also baptized, uh, that, that should have made uh, the decision a little easier for me. So uh, we're going to pick up the text, Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Um, John was this prophet uh, that was prophesied who would go before the coming of the Messiah. John's ministry was all about repentance, about, about clearing hearts, preparing minds uh, for, for what God was about to do. And so people were coming and they were repenting, being washed clean in preparation uh, for what uh, the Messiah was going to do. Um, so there was, he was this Elijah figure. Uh, now John wore a, cam a, a garment of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. 
John and Elijah are, are very similar in this, the austere extremes they went to in their lifestyles um, to devote themselves to God's message, to God's work. Uh, then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Uh, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Um, Jesus, Jesus wasn't the only one who uh, would pick fights with the Pharisees. John here doesn't pull any punches. Uh, he, you know, Later, they're called whitewashed tombs, uh, right? Full of, of death and decay, but clean on the outside. Um, John looks at these religious leaders um, who feel that they are righteous. They are the holy ones. Um, and he convicts them. He says, he says, you're not willing to repent. You're not willing to look deeper than your own pride and your own, uh, your own works and self-satisfaction. Uh, and he calls them out. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Um, their pride was in the fact that they were purebred Israelites and that God had made his covenant with Israel and that was their identity. And they did, maybe they felt at times like it didn't matter what they did because they were the chosen ones and, and, uh, and that they were, they were the offspring of Abraham and of the promise. Um, but, uh, but John says, listen, no, you're missing the point that it was God's grace that gave you that opportunity and, and he can raise these stones up and make them children of Abraham. That's not what this is about. Uh, there's something deeper. Um, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, John is calling them out about a fruit. That it's not just about what you know. That's not just about uh, the things you don't do. But there needs to be this fruit that, that bears in their life that provides for other people. Uh, this fruit of love. Uh, love for God and love for others. Um, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John is really clear that, that Jesus is going to bring a, a dividing line. There's going to be a separation um, between those who are, are the wheat and those who go into the barn, those who are in the kingdom and, and those who aren't. Uh, and and there's, there's this harsh reality of a judgment that's coming and, and it's all based on, on this idea of repentance and faith in Jesus. Uh, verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered, Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, then he consented. That's John consented to baptize Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So one of the instances in the Bible where we have this booming voice, uh, where God speaks audibly and, and people hear it. Behold, uh, my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. So what is going uh, on in this text? First of all, Jesus says that he needs to be baptized, not for repentance, but in order to fulfill all righteousness. And that was uh, ultimately, uh, scholars believe, what, what Jesus is saying there is in obedience 
to God, that God has called Jesus into identifying with humanity, that, that God has called Jesus to, to take that first step. And it's kind of the inauguration of his ministry, saying uh, that I am now for uh, for this ministry of saving people, identifying with people. It's part of even his coming in flesh. And the fulfilling of righteousness is Jesus walking in obedience to what God is calling him to. Uh, he's telling John and him both, let us both fulfill righteousness. Let us both um, let us both actually do what God is calling us to do, no matter how that might look or feel. Um, let's start this thing off right with obedience. Uh, and we see here at the end, uh, the, the voice that God booms um, connects us to the Old Testament in really interesting ways here at the very beginning of, of Matthew's gospel. Uh, it connects us first to Isaiah 42. Um, Isaiah 42, verse 1, Behold my servant who I'm up, uh, whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. So uh, as the, the dove descends, the spirit in a dove form descends on Jesus, we have sort of this fulfilling of a prophecy in Isaiah that the, the suffering servant, the one that people have been waiting for, the Messiah is Jesus. The baptism, this moment sort of connects Jesus clearly with Isaiah 42. Um, and also all the way back to Psalm chapter 2. Uh, Psalm 2, 7, I will tell the decree to the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Um, so this idea of my beloved son, this was a Davidic psalm, and so it also is connecting Jesus to this long-awaited Davidic Messiah. So even in these two short little phrases that we see booming from, from God, uh, there's this connection with Jesus to the Old Testament uh, prophecies, this, this waiting on the Davidic Messiah, uh, on the, the suffering servant, and it really ties all of this early in Matthew on Jesus. This Matthew tells us this is, this is who Jesus is uh, as he's about to get into Jesus's teachings. Um, there's a real contrast here between Jesus and the Pharisees, where the Pharisees um, kind of mock John and those being baptized. They feel like they're too high above it. Um, but we see that Jesus humbles himself, as Paul even says, that he humbles himself here. And he's willing to identify with those in the water. Um, you know, I think about myself and in, in, in feeling like I was above the 13-year-olds in the tank. Um, Jesus, who's got himself, who doesn't need to repent in obedience in order to, to clearly identify and have this moment where he begins his ministry, is willing to, um, to humble himself here and, and go into the waters and allow John to baptize him. Uh, and, and what we have, I think, here in, in, um, in the actions of Jesus, later in the teachings of Jesus, and also in the words of John, uh, is this, this the start of this kingdom language. And we're going to see it all the way through Matthew, and it's part of the, the theme of the series is, is really about the kingdom of God. Uh, it, it has begun. We are part of God's ongoing kingdom. Uh, we see here that some important values in the kingdom are repentance, obedience, and fruit. Um, th that to be in the kingdom, we see here in this story, there needs to be an attitude of repentance. Uh, th those walking into the water were, have had a, a willingness to say, hey, listen, I, I have sin in my life. Apart from Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did it for a different reason. Um, but, but this idea of, of a kingdom of repentance is, is a willingness to say, I am not God, that, that I have sin in my life, and, and I'm in a constant process of examining that, of being convicted and repenting. And, and I think one of the important pieces of uh, an attitude of repentance um, that I've experienced in my own life and in other people's lives is it's not just a, a head knowledge of, hey, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect but kind of a prideful interaction with other people, not being willing to actually repent to other people. 
are we willing to take that head knowledge of knowing I'm not perfect and I'm not God and there's stuff in my life that needs to change and, and I'm not always right, but actually being able to confess that to other people and say, listen, I, I was wrong and I'm sorry. That's a, that's a far different far different step than just knowing it in your head. And are we willing to be that kind of people who are willing to actually be repentant to each other? Uh, the second value that I see is obedience. As we see Jesus uh, walking in obedience into the water, um, and they call them the Pharisees who aren't actually following in obedience, even though they kind of think they are. Um, so Jesus' obedience to the Father is the fulfillment of righteousness. And so uh, the, some of these values in the kingdom we're seeing, what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this kingdom of God is uh, an attitude of repentance um, and, a, and a behavior of obedience. And, and finally, um, we see presence of fruit. As John says, there's an expectation that we'll see fruit in our lives, that, that, that it will provide for other people, that our love will be tangible and, and actually meet needs and, and, and not just be an emotional sentimentality, uh, that there is fruit that is evident as people look at our lives. And so... Um, the question, the challenge for, for us today is we, as we hopefully yearn to be in the kingdom of God, um, that the Pharisees assumed that they were in, but that didn't necessarily mean that they were. John said that these stones could be in just as easily as you. Don't, don't assume on your heritage. That is there someone, even today, is there someone that you need to actually repent to? Not just know in your head, hey, I really, I really botched that up. I was wrong. You know, in your own head, actually confess that to someone else and repent. Listen, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, I think there's a big difference there. And, and, and there can be a lot of healing um, and restoration when we actually go through that process. So is there someone you need to actually repent to today? Challenge number one. The challenge number two is, is about um, obedience. Is there something that you you really truly feel God is calling you into, but there's hesitancy? I, often when God calls me into something and I know it clearly, my first response is resistance and hesitancy. And then God continues to beat me down until I actually obey and then realize he was right all along. And so is there something that you need to simply obey? That you just need to, to suck it up and, and do it? Is there something in your life like that? Uh, and finally, it's the, the personal examination, once again, of is there actual fruit in my life that people can see? And these three key markers are really important for the kingdom. Uh, and we'll continue to see these themes come out all the way through the book of Matthew. Well, uh, I guess that's it for today from my garage. Um, hey, we're, we're just trying to figure this out day by day like the rest of you. But, but no, if, if you need help, uh, if you're overwhelmed or stressed, or you just need to talk, please, um, please re reach out and let us know. Let me pray. Uh, so, Father, thank you. Thank you for, for this story and for uh, for who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and, and what he's called us into. God, thank you that uh, that you've opened the waters for us to walk into baptism. Help us to, um, to have attitudes of repentance. Help us to have the courage to obey. And God, I pray that by your spirit that we would bear fruit. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the model that you set for us, uh, of following in obedience and humble submission to God. For the joy set before you, help us to see the joy set before us too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, talk to you again soon.